So we are at the final stage. I believe this will be our last sermon in our study of the letter to the Hebrews. And so we've been here since the beginning of March. Since we moved in here to the Moose Lodge um, at the beginning of March, we've been going through this book, the book of Hebrews. And so I, I kind of, you know, as I was preparing for this uh, sermon this week, I kind of felt like, you know, I'm saying goodbye to a, an old friend. You know, it's like I've been here for so long um, over the last several months. It's like, I don't even know what I'm going to do next week. <laughs> um, I do know what I'm going to do next week. But, um, and in that, in that note, just to give you a heads up, um, so I think we are going to do another uh, vision series, a series on gospel community mission. If you haven't seen it, you know, on our um, logo and through some of our literature, uh, we try to encourage this idea of living according to these three words and this phrase over here in our vision of being connected in Christ as a community on mission. And so gospel community mission, we want to proclaim the gospel, we want to build up people in community, and we want to send each other out on mission. We want to make sure that we are constantly focusing on those three things, on proclaiming the gospel, on building up each other in community, and then on sending each other out to be on mission. And so we do that as we are connected in Christ, um, building each other up as a community on mission. And so we're going to go through that for a few weeks, and then we're going to have a series on healthy church. And so some of the books that we have over there um, in the Nine Mark series, we're basically going to go through several marks of what a healthy church looks like. And that's really actually what we're going to do the next few weeks um, when we do gospel community mission. We're just going to kind of combine that. And so we're going to be doing that um, for a while. And so just to give you a heads up on what to look forward to. So next week, we're going to focus in on, again, the gospel. And so let's... uh, divert our attention back to where we are right now today as we finish up and we finish strong this letter to the Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 17. And a couple things I want us to focus on as we begin this morning is I want us to look at um, leaders, who they are and what they do so that we can properly understand their authority and our responsibility. We want to look at leaders, we want to look at who they are and what they do so that we can understand well our responsibility and their authority. So the three things we're going to see this morning, we'll see that that leaders are sound teachers, they're faithful examples, and they're spiritual shepherds. So let's read our passage this morning and begin to talk about it. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace 
be with all of you. So as we look this morning, we begin by looking at how leaders are sound teachers. So when it says there in verse 17, obey your leaders, well, what are we supposed to obey? We're, we're, we're supposed to obey what they teach. And there's, what, they're, what they teach is supposed to be sound doctrine. And we get some of this from back in verse 7. Look at verse 7 there in chapter 13. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. So they're supposed to speak the word of God. Sound teachers don't just speak what they think is good and what they think is proper for at the moment, but what they do primarily, consistently, is they speak the word of God. This is what sound teachers do. How do you know if a teacher is sound? Well, if they speak God's word, if they speak it clearly, if they speak it appropriately, if they speak it continuously, this is what teachers and leaders are supposed to do. Where does their authority come from? The authority of a leader does not come from the fact that he has a title. The authority of a leader does not come from the fact that people have appointed him. The authority of a leader comes only from the Word of God, and it only comes whenever he is speaking the Word of God. It's not his own authority. So when I get up here and I talk, or when I get up here and I read this verse and our text this morning, and I say, obey your leaders, and, you know, kind of as it stands right now, like, I am the pastor of the church, I'm really the only technical leader of the church, you know, it's easy for me to get up here and say, obey your leader, you know, and I'm your leader, and, you know, so do whatever I say, you know, that, that's kind of scary, um, but, I, you know, I could do that, but, but am I really conveying what God has to say about leaders? Am I, am I really conveying how you are supposed to act as being the ones who are submitting to me as a leader? What does it look like to submit as just the people of the flock to the leader? Now, I've been not the leader. I, I, I've been the person who is just sitting there I've been the person who is engaged in ministry alongside of the leaders. I've been the person who has not had the title. And so I do have an idea of what it's like to have to sit there and submit myself to the authority of who is over me in the church. And what I do in those moments is I look to make sure that I am submitting to God's word first and foremost and what they tell me from God's word. That is the bulk of your responsibility as someone who is sitting and listening to a sermon, that's one of the reasons why I encouraged you to pick up one of those copies of that book of how to listen to a sermon. Look, don't listen for what I have to say in all of my great stories, which I barely ever tell, and all of the great things that I have to say and all of my funny jokes that I never really get to. Listen to what God has to say through His Word whenever I get up here and I speak. Whoever else gets up here, and speaks because I, I want other guys, I want other men, other faithful men who aspire to be leaders to get up here and to speak God's word to you. And so I don't want you to just follow them blindly. I want you to do it knowing this is what God's word tells me to do, and I'm doing it insofar as they are speaking God's word. I loved the prayer that Anne prayed earlier because it, it goes right along with what um, our responsibility is. Our responsibility is, is to listen, is to hear. So we pray that God would give us ears to hear. 
And this is what you do whenever you're listening to someone speak God's word. You are listening. You are hearing. We did this several, several weeks ago as we were beginning our trek through this letter to the Hebrews. We looked at, at hearing and seeing and understanding. Hearing with our ears and seeing with our eyes and then understanding, getting to the point where we acknowledge and it begins to produce change in our hearts when we properly and fully hear it with our ears, when we see it with our eyes, when we understand the truth of God's Word. And so when it comes to the fact that leaders are to be sound teachers, we must listen as God's people, as the church, when they speak God's Word. A few other things about that idea. Um, they avoid quarrels. They avoid controversies. They avoid false teaching. This is one of the things that you talked about earlier in chapter 13. Verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. There can be all sorts of things that someone might tell you you are supposed to live in this way, but if it does not line up with God's word, don't listen. 1 Timothy 3 is a great example of qualifications of a leader. And so I'll just read it. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Now, when I just read that list, do you remember what we talked about last week in the first half of chapter 13? We talked about loving the church. We talked about showing hospitality. We talked about having sexual integrity. We talked about possessing contentment and not being a lover of money. We talked about identifying ourselves with Christ. Now, did you see that in that list in 1 Timothy 3? I'll read it again. Must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. You see some of the correlation, some of the relationship between these things, how we are supposed to live as Christians, and how leaders simply are ones who are actively doing that. And that leads us to our next point, that they are faithful examples. They live by faith. These things we talked about last week, all these points that we made last week in looking at Hebrews chapter 13 and those first 16 verses, they live by faith. They are faithful examples. And so we and our responsibility in submitting to them is we see them. So we hear them when they teach and we see them in the way that they live. We can see that their lives match up with what they say because what they say is God's word. And so do their lives match up with godly living and how they act. We see them live by faith. Look at verse 7 again in chapter 13 of Hebrews. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Look at how they have lived by faith and so we too are encouraged to live by faith. As they speak God's word, as they live out God's word, we can see what it looks like 
to love the church. We can see what it looks like to show hospitality toward the world. We can see what it looks like to have sexual integrity. We can see what it looks like to possess contentment. We can see what it looks like to identify with Christ, to share Christ, to proclaim the gospel in all things. We see how they live. And so when we're called there in verse 17 to obey your leaders and submit to them, we do that because we hear what they're saying and it accords with God's word. We see what they're doing and it is in line with God's word that they are proclaiming. Their actions match up with their words. They are walking the walk. They are doing what they're telling everyone else to do. It's not a, you do this, and I'm going to be over here in the back and doing whatever I want, living however I want. This is, I am a part of this. I I am one of you. We, We are in this together. We are ministers together. We encourage one another. You encourage me. I encourage you. We are in this fight. We are in this battle. We are in this struggle. We are in this Christian walk together, side by side, arm in arm. Picking each other up when we fall. Lifting each other up when we're down. Being there for one another. Listening. Ministering. So we hear God's word being spoken by them. We, we see God's word having changed their lives. Them, the leaders submitting themselves to God's word so that we can feel comfortable and ready to submit to them. And we see that third point about leaders, they are spiritual shepherds. They keep watch over your souls. Verse 17 again, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Leaders are sound teachers. Leaders are faithful examples. And leaders are spiritual shepherds. And as spiritual shepherds, they keep watch over your souls. Having to take care of kids is difficult. I haven't had to do that nearly as much as my wife has. And so the limited opportunities, the limited responsibilities that I've had to watch my kids and to be responsible for them alone are difficult. And, and I'm not used to that. And sometimes they can be quite trying times because I don't have someone else to go to and, you know, you take care of them. You know, if I'm on my own, I'm on my own. You know, she's over at a Bible study or she's hanging out with friends, you know, and as small children, when they were small, it was like, I, I've got to handle this. Right? I've got to keep watch over their bodies to make sure that they don't kill each other or me or that I don't kill them. You know, I mean, any, any one of these things could happen potentially, right? And so, and my son's looking at me like, what? <laughs> I've never had that thought before, ever. Um, it's just a funny way to say it. Okay, so, um, and I would never, never even think about it and do it, just to clarify. Okay, all right. I don't think he feels very at peace right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> might have to buy, buy him some food before we get home at a place he likes to eat. Okay, so <laughs> where was I? 
It's one thing to have to keep watch over someone so that their bodies stay intact, so that they stay alive. But it's another thing to keep watch over someone's soul. This is a difficult task. Like we know what it's like to have to watch children, but what is it like to have to watch over someone's soul? The body is going to perish. We are all going to die at some point, but your soul will remain. Your soul will be forever now. And so your soul is of that much more importance than your body. And that doesn't, that's not me saying don't care about your body and live however you want to and treat your body like a bag of trash, okay? No, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying just in comparison, how much more importance should we put on the care of our souls than our bodies? Because our souls are going to last, Our souls are going somewhere, and we're going to get a new body. We're not going to have to worry about this old body anymore. After we die, we're going to be given new and better and lasting bodies that aren't going to have all these blemishes and wrinkles and issues. But our souls will remain. It will be the same soul that you've had. And so keeping watch over someone's soul... If you've never thought about that before, just think about the weight of what that brings to those who are keeping watch over your soul. This is the responsibility that leaders have. It's not a, hey, I'm the leader, I've got the title, so submit to me. No, this is, I am caring for you, and so help me help you. Help me to do this in the best way that I can. And so what does he say next? After he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Help them to keep watch over your souls. What does he say? He says, pray. Verse 18, pray for us. For we're sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. When you are told to obey your leaders and submit to them, you're also told to pray for them. Because this is a difficult task. Because what they are supposed to be doing for you is caring for your soul, is teaching you, encouraging you, admonishing you, trying to get you to realize that this stuff is important. Your soul is of utmost importance, that your soul is going to last, and that you are going to end up somewhere, either heaven or hell, that you are going to remain for eternity And the decisions that you make in this life have ramifications both for this life now and for the life that is to come. These are things we've talked about. There are consequences for the actions that you take. And these consequences are built off the fact that if you are a Christian, God disciplines His children. And so there is discipline involved in raising us up. This is a discipline that God does Himself. There are repercussions for actions that we take when we disobey God blatantly. When we know what we should be doing and we disregard it. When we know we should be refraining from this activity and yet we still do it. There are consequences that come and sometimes, as we've talked about, as we've walked through this book of Hebrews, there are consequences that sometimes lead even to death. 1 Corinthians 11. We talked about that when we did the Lord's Supper, when we did communion a couple weeks ago. We mentioned this. Again, there were some who fell asleep, some who died because they were 
defaming. They were making fun of. By their actions, they were not taking proper care of when they came together doing what they were supposed to be doing. Celebrating the Lord's Supper as a church. There are consequences. And so it falls on the leaders of the church to care for your souls. And so we need you to to pray. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. This is hard. And, And I know how much I fail in it. And I can be easily discouraged because there is a burden that is on my shoulders to watch over your souls. And this is difficult. And so I need you to pray for me. And that's why, like, I'm not taking this and I'm not saying pray for me because that's my idea. This is what he immediately goes to. This author, pray for us. Because I know that not in all things, I have a completely clear conscience. And so I'm in even a worse spot than this author is. Because I don't always have a completely clean and clear conscience. I want to. And I continue to strive for that. But I don't always. And so I know how much of a failure I can be. I know sometimes when I don't do the things that I should be doing as a leader. And so I need you to pray for me for God's strength. Because this isn't just me carrying all of these things on my shoulder, but this is a, I am doing this with Christ as my chief shepherd, as the shepherd who is watching over my soul as well. And he mentions this. Verse 20, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. See, pastors, leaders are shepherds. I mean, that's where that word comes from, pastor. It's a shepherd. But... We all, all of us, all leaders, all non-leaders, all Christians have a great shepherd. And that shepherd is Jesus Christ. And so as a leader, I know that I'm not doing this all on my own. As a member of the church, you are not doing this all on your own. You have at the least Christ And you have the spirit within you to pray and to pray that the leaders that have been put in front of you would act honorably in all things, that they would be able to act and know that they have a clean and clear conscience so that they can minister and watch over your souls as Christ watches over us as our great high priest, as our great shepherd over all of us. So I'm not in this alone, but... This yoke, this burden, I am alongside of Christ. Christ is alongside of me. We are doing this together. And so pray that I would know that. Pray that I would see that. Pray that I would understand that well. And I pray that you would see that and that you would understand that, that I am side by side with you, caring for you. I'm, I'm attached to that yoke alongside of you. As Christ is, there's, it was like, there's a, I don't know if I've ever seen it before, because maybe, you know, I don't know if you can put that many ox together, you know, in a yoke, but it's like there's, there's three slots, there's, there's three heads, you know, on the neck to go. There's, there's me, and there's you, and there's Christ, and we're doing this all together. 
And, and I think for the most part, really for all of it, Christ is really the one doing the work, but we're walking alongside of him as he is doing the work through us. It's not me up here doing all of the work. It's us doing it together. I'm probably really not even carrying all that I should be carrying. You're, you're probably doing the work, and I, it's my job to equip you to do the work. It's not my job to do the work. It's not my job to put that yoke around my neck and carry it along. But it's also not my job to stand in the back and say, oh, you know, good luck with all that. You know, keep going while I just stand here and drink my lemonade. You no, know, I'm right there alongside of you. And Christ is with us, alongside of us, as we do that together. And so be encouraged that it's not just me, but it is Christ in me, and it's Christ in you. And we're doing this together. And so when it says, obey your leaders and submit to them, this is quite an unpopular phrase. This whole idea of submission in any capacity in our culture is frowned upon. Why do I have to answer to somebody else? Why do I have to put myself underneath the authority of anybody else? It's an unpopular idea. But this is what God's Word says. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm not asking you to follow me in any capacity, really. I'm asking you to follow Christ, and I'm asking you to follow Christ's Word. I'm asking you to follow the Word of God as it tells us how to live and what to do, who to be in this world. And I'm helping us to see that. But I'm not saying follow me because I've got all the right answers. What I have is Christ. What I have is God's Word. And that's the same thing that you have. You've got Him just as much as I do. You've got God's Word just as much as I do. And so let's do this thing together and realize that there are levels of authority that God has put in place for our good. That submission actually can be a good thing. That submission is not a taboo reality for us as Christians. But we can do this because overall we are submitting ourselves to the head of the body, to the head of the church, and that is Christ. And as we submit to Him, we submit to those that He has put in place to help care for us, to help lead us, to grow closer to Him, to be more holy like He is holy. Verse 20 again says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you, do you see where I, where I got that? Where from this text, Christ is the one who is doing the work in us. As we read through the book of Philippians, one of my favorite verses in the book of Philippians is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work 
for his good pleasure. If you've been reading through the book of Philippians, as I've encouraged us to do, maybe you came across that. I came across it again a couple days ago. And I was encouraged by that because this is, God is the one who is doing the work in us. As it says here in Hebrews 13, verse 21, Jesus equips you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. So God is doing this. God is equipping you so that you might do his will. And he works in us. And we are only able to do this through Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier, as we began, what we try to encourage first and foremost as a church, as Christians, is the proclamation of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has come into this world to save sinners, to save me, to save you. We are sinners. God has created a wonderful world, and we have completely destroyed it. We have completely fouled up. We have done what we shouldn't have done. We have not done what we should have done. And so God saw our situation. He saw that we were rebellious. He saw that we did not submit to Him as we were supposed to. We saw that He saw that we did, were not the people that He expected us to be. And so did He say just, just work harder, just, just try harder? No, He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you can't do. And so He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world to live the life that we couldn't live, to live a perfect life. And he died the death that we deserved as sinners. He took our place. He bore the wrath of God. And so that now we can stand forgiven at the cross. We can believe the truth of what God's word speaks to us about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can stand forgiven when we believe that, when we recognize that he is our Lord and he is our Savior, when he is the one who we need the one that we can't live without, the one our soul desperately needs, the one that we find true joy in. And you will find true joy when you submit yourself to Him. And I will find joy as a leader when I see that you submit yourself, not really to me, but to Him. Because that's what I'm encouraging you to do, is to submit to Him. And as you submit to Him, all the dominoes will fall in their places. So we must be diligent. I must be constantly vigilant to submit myself to Him. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Because if you don't, we will not last as a church. If you don't, we will stop proclaiming the gospel. If you don't, we will stop building each other up as a community of believers. If you don't, If I don't, we won't send each other out on mission. We won't be the church. We won't be the people He has called us to be. But we can do this through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory forever and ever. We don't do this for our own accolades. We don't do this so that the name of the Vine Church can get out there more and more into the community. We we do this so that the name of Jesus Christ can get out into the community more and more. We can help train and teach people what it is to be a Christian, what it is to live this life rightly, submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ, to living a life 
where we're building each other up, where we're showing hospitality, where we're loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, where we're living with sexual integrity, where we are being content with what God has given us, where we're not loving money so much that we forsake all of the right teachings that God has given to us in His Word, but we are identifying ourselves with Christ. We are not ashamed of the gospel. And this is our sacrifice of praise to Him. This is how we please God. And that's how our whole passage started. Look at verses 15 and 16 again as we, as we finish this morning. Through Him then, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We are here to serve Christ through the power of Christ so that the name of Christ would be exalted and glorified in Abingdon, at the Moose Lodge, in our own homes, in our hearts, in Southwest Virginia, in Virginia, in the Tri-Cities area, in this world. This is why we are here to submit ourselves to Christ. And so I pray that we would do that. Pray for me that I would do that. Pray that you would do that so that we can serve Him with joy together so that He might receive the glory and the honor and the praise that He deserves. Let's pray. God, we thank You for this morning. Help us that we might listen well, that we might see faithful, godly examples, and that we might understand our place in following You. God, we need Your help in these things. God, even the author of this book has asked for prayer for him and his colleagues because he knows that he needs it. And so with him, we recognize our need for prayer. So help us to be a people who pray for one another, who recognize that only your spirit can do the work of changing our hearts. God, we want you to change our hearts to be more like Christ. So we pray that you would do that. Help us to know what ways are in us that need to be different. Help us to be a people who repent when we are confronted with sin. Help us to be a people who speak the name of Jesus Christ to ourselves and to our families, to our church and to this community. This is who we desire to be because this is who you desire us to be. This is who you have equipped us to be. And so continue to equip us for this work that you might receive the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.